welcome to episode one. I'm your host, John Levero. Let's get right into it. You know, I started playing music when I was about 12 years old. The first thing I ever picked up was the drums. My dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer when I was 12 years old, and the way that he helped me to cope with that and my brother was he took us to Guitar Center immediately after he told us that he had terminal brain and lung cancer. He took us to Guitar Center, and I picked up a drum set, and my brother picked up a guitar and an amp. And that was it. Game over. I was a musician from then on. Shortly thereafter, I started wandering over to that guitar area that my brother had and uh, started dialing knobs, picking up the guitar, strumming it a little bit. And I started to realize that I had more passion for the guitar than I did for the drums. Then I started hanging out with some buddies who were much better than me at guitar. Some of my friends like Dustin Brown, Alex Vo, and others who kind of showed me the way and kind of set me up for the platform that I'm cruising on right now. I had a couple bands in high school. We had a band called Tortuga, me and Dustin and my buddy Zach. And that was just a trio. Man, and I think I was like a sophomore or something. And we had a crazy party on my front lawn where a bunch of people came over and we set up right there on the driveway and played for everyone. It was unbelievable. Woke up the next day, there's just beer cans all over the place. Total bust, total bust, but so much fun. And that didn't last very long. And the next thing that I ended up doing was playing with my buddy Scotty Brown and my buddy John Ryan and my buddy Nathan Rosenbaum. And what we did was we performed at the Battle of, Battle of the Bands in our senior year of high school. And we won. I don't think the hardcore band was too happy about that. They were definitely more rehearsed than we were. We did one song that was literally a jam. Hey, but we took it. We took the win. Oh, man. And then, you know, I graduated high school and kind of wandered around a little bit and didn't get really serious until I was in my early 20s, early to mid 20s. And in about 2011, I met some dudes, uh, Spencer Hurley. I met Marco Munoz and a couple of other guys who were doing this thing called Higgs Boson. And I went and checked them out in Costa Mesa, California at the Tiki Lounge. And I saw them perform and I was stoked, man. I was stoked to see a band in our area, young kids playing music that I was into. They were essentially a new up and coming jam band who had some like R&B flair and some rock and roll flair. And I was down, you know, I, I started hanging out with them and I started actually playing bass with them. And I became the bassist of Higgs Boson. Shortly thereafter, I started expressing how I wanted to be a guitar player in this group and um, everyone else in the band was on board. And then there was some transitioning. I moved over to guitar. We brought in a, another bassist. We had three guitars at one point. 
things changed, members changed, we went through some transition and transitions, and what we landed on is the unit that we have now, which is myself on guitar and vocals, David Barsky on bass and vocals, Garrett Morris on drums, and Jesse Jennings on keys and vocals. And this band has been the group that has really pushed and has really taken things to the next level. I've done most of the major tours that I've had with this group of guys. We've gone to the East Coast. We've done a lot of traveling around the United States and played at a lot of different venues, whether it be California, Utah, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, you name it, everything in between. So we've had, we landed on this lineup, you know, and I'm super excited about this now. And we're just going to keep on pushing, you know. And uh, some of the things that we've done is uh, we've performed with on the same stage and opened for bands like Melvin Seals, John Kay, O'Teal Burbridge, Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. We've done after parties for Chris Robinson Brotherhood. We've opened for Twiddle. We just opened for Twiddle recently. We uh, did the Troubadour here in Los Angeles. Such a good show. And the Belly Up Tavern down in Solana Beach. So much fun. Those Twiddle guys are awesome, man. Like, shouts out to everyone who is in the band, everyone who is in the crew, management. I mean, just all around, great people, great energy. Yeah, we've opened for Spafford. We were going to do a run with Aqueous. We had seven shows lined up with Aqueous, who's a killer band. But COVID hit, man. And uh, we had to cut tour early, you know. So, I mean, what happened with that was we were right in the middle of a run. And we were traveling. And we landed in Las Vegas when things started to get really, really hairy. I mean, NBA canceled. Things were shutting down left and right. People were starting to freak out. The media was going crazy. And we're sitting there before the gig like, what do we do? Like, are we supposed to play this gig right now? I mean, is this even a good idea? Probably not. But we did it anyway. And uh, people came, you know. It was a little light, though. Like, we've played at that venue a lot in Vegas, and usually it fills up when we play. And... It was light. It was some of our like close friends and things like that. And even they were a little like, uh, I don't know if I should be here right now kind of energy. And um, we did the gig and it was great. We had a great time. And funny enough, the next night our gig was back at home. So we came back to Costa Mesa to play at the Wayfair. And that's when it was pretty much decided that the rest of the tour was going to be canceled. They were canceling dates already. Venues were hitting us up going, we're not going to be doing this anymore. So the smart idea after that show was to just call it quits. And we got kind of lucky in the sense that our last show was at home and we were about to go back out on the road. So, you know, instead of having like a 20 hour drive home getting canceled in the middle of the country somewhere, we got canceled in our, in our home turf. So we were able to just drive home and you know, go to sleep and visit our loved ones that night and, and all that. So, you know, COVID, it's been strange for musicians. People have had to adapt. People have had to learn how to create content in different ways. And the creativity is absolutely blowing my mind. 
some of these videos that people are coming out with are so phenomenal right now. Uh, live streams, left and right. Like you basically can go on Facebook or YouTube at any given time during this pandemic and find a pretty solid live stream, a group of musicians, one guy, one girl, whatever it may be sitting in front of their iPhone, or maybe it's, you know, a better setup with like multiple camera angles and sound that's going right into the board. Oh man. But yeah, it's not the same though. I'd have to say it's just not the same as performing in front of an audience or being an audience at a show watching a performance. It has its magic and it's keeping the community together. And I'm so happy about that, but I'm pretty sure I can speak for most musicians and say that we're ready to get back on the road and we're ready to perform in front of people because that's why we do it. That magic that happens when you're playing and the crowd is there and they're pushing that energy back at you and you're receiving it and then you're spinning it back around and shooting it back out at them. There's nothing better than that feeling. And unfortunately, that feeling is hard to achieve when you're just looking at a lens and uh, people are watching it on their TVs or their iPhones. There's a lack of connection. There's a lack of communication. But we're blessed to have the technology. We really are. And I'm thankful for all the people that have been putting out the live streams. Let me, a couple of notable shout-outs that I have. Kyle Merrill from Groove Session, crushing it. Love, love, love your live streams, dude. Uh, Cal Kehoe from Pink Talking Fish, killer, killer live streams, okay? Who else could I think of off the top of my head? I know Reed Mathis was doing some at the beginning that I was really enjoying. Oh, yeah, and Jason Crosby, dude's a musical genius. He has, like, roads set up and piano and stringed instruments all around him, and he's doing these phenomenal loops. I mean, the creativity, like I said before, is just outrageous and unbelievable. Um, so, you know, let's hope with this whole COVID thing that things start to get back to normal soon. And it seems like they are like in my local area, small venues are starting to open back up again. Bands are starting to play again. Restaurants are starting to open up again. So, you know, it looks good. Actually, it looks like things are starting to push in the direction of things are going to get moving again. So I did a little post on my social media and I wanted to stir up some conversation and I wanted to bring up a topic that I thought my audience would be familiar with and they would also want to have some input. And man, there was absolutely some input. So what I asked was, let me pull this up real quick. So a few days ago, I posted a question on my social media and the question was, what is a jam band? Yes. What is a jam band? And man, did people have some answers. So I'm going to go through some of those answers that people responded in the comments with. And I'll also give you my two cents about what I think a jam band is. And you're going to notice some similarities in some of these answers. And you're also going to notice a lot of differences. Okay. So let me just go through some of them and read them off to you. A group of musicians performing with the intent to let the music guide them instead of them guiding the music. I totally agree with that. I totally get that. In a jam band, you kind of 
as a musician, dive in to what's happening musically and go along for the ride. And that seems to be the best way to do it a lot of the time. If you're too conscious and you have too much intent while you're improvising and in a jam and you don't just let things kind of take you for a ride, things might get stale and you might start to repeat ideas and it just might not be conducive to like the flow of the jam. So I think what um, that person is saying is to kind of let loose, you know, and let the jam take you on a ride. And I totally agree with that. There's also some (laughs) like some funny ones. So for example, a poorly executed jazz Poorly executed jazz renditions in 4-4 with off-key vocals about flowers and shit. (laughs) Okay. All right. I hear you. Let's see. Free-flowing music that knows no boundaries and allows your soul to float in transition. See Grateful Dead, Inventors of Jam Bands, Fish, Moe, Umphreys McGee, J-Rad. Totally agree. I totally agree, agree with that sentiment. And that's pretty much the best list. Now, my buddy Ed Lyon probably had the most comprehensive, well-thought-out answer out of all of these. And let me just read that for you real quick. And if I have to paraphrase, excuse me, because this is, you know, people typing on the internet. A band whose approach to music is in the moment improv by all band members, not just one soloist at a time. It's a style where feel, exploration, and to a certain degree, instrumental virtuosity of some type are the main attractions. In my opinion, it's what used to be broadly referred to as jazz, but the jam band genre, as we know it, developed post-jazz era, mainly among rock musicians. So most jam bands tend to be rock or funk or some variation thereof, but it can be any style as long as improv and interplay among the entire ensemble are what creates the magic that attracts. I completely agree with this sentiment. I think that what he's doing there is he's stating that there are some, there are some genres that kind of fit in with the jam band scene, but it's expansive. There's a variety of them. Okay. I also listen to a podcast. I listen to a podcast with B gets and, Adam Schmirnoff, Adam Schmeens from Lettuce. And they both had some really, really great things to say. And I was actually concerning this topic of what is a jam band? What makes up a jam band? Adam Schmeens outlook on it. I, I really appreciate it. I think it's, it's spot on. And I think it's a piece of, of the puzzle of what a jam band is. And what he said was, it's not about the music. It's not about the band, it's about the fans, okay? And that's what's common between, let's say, a band like Lettuce, who's like a funk, hip-hop, soul, groove band. Then you have a band like Soundtribe Sector 9, who's like an electronica, kind of more of like a dance party band. Then you have bands like Widespread Panic, who's like dirty southern rock with like raging guitar solos. Then you have like, String Cheese Incident, who pull influences of, like, bluegrass and Latin music. And these all fall under the jam band moniker. And what Schmeens is saying is, like, the the commonality between them are the fans and are the people that attend the shows. 
because lettuce doesn't sound like widespread panic. Widespread panic doesn't sound like string cheese incident. And widespread panic sure doesn't sound like Soundtrap Sector 9. So what he's saying is the people that are showing up to those shows are similar. I agree with that. I think that that's very true. What are those people? What are they looking for? They're looking for community. They're looking for oftentimes a tailgate or like a shakedown before the show. Um, they're looking for extended jams, ext extended sections. And all those bands that I named off do that. They all improvise. They all jam. So Adam Schmeens, I totally agree with you, dude. I totally agree with you that the fans have a major, major role. But I do also think that there is more to it. And I do think that the bands do certain things. Obviously, the most obvious, jam, improvise. But there's other things, there's other elements that the band kind of sets up and creates to give these people that vibe and that um, continuity going from maybe from a lettuce show to a widespread panic show. And I think one major thing is two sets. Okay. Most jam bands, most people that fall into this world, whether it be like a Chris Robinson brotherhood, you know, or like a pigeons playing ping pong or a Spafford or goose or the Higgs, they play two sets if it's their night, if there's an opener or they're opening for someone else, this might vary. This might change. But for the most part, the headlining band is going to play two sets. That's one thing that I've noticed in the jam band scene that's different than other scenes. Most bands will perform one set and that's it. Another thing that the band has to do is create variety. And that variety can come in song choice within one night and song choice from night to night. So let me give you an example. You're not going to go see a jam band three nights in a row at the same venue and see the same show three nights in a row. For the most part, you're going to see a band perform completely different songs from night to night, three nights in a row if they have a three-night one in one city, if they're a jam band. Now, with that being said, you're, if you go on an entire tour with a band, you might see some repeats and you might see some songs double up, but that's normal because, you know, even if you have, you know, a song repertoire of like 150 songs and you're going on a month or two month long tour, there's going to be a time when there's going to be some overlap in songs. But for the most part, there's like this amazing variety and that's what keeps people coming back three nights in a row. Like... You wouldn't go see a pop band. Well, some people might, but I wouldn't go see a pop band three nights in a row that I know is just going to play the same set, you know, the same songs with the same guitar solo every single time. So there's variety in the sets. There's variety in the song choices night to night. And there's differences in how the song is played from night to night. So you have, you have two sets you have variety in song choices from night to night or within one night, and then variety in which the songs, in which way the songs are being played every time you hear them. So say you do go on like a two month run with a band and you're on the road and you're doing your thing and you do get some repeats, you know, those repeats aren't going to sound the same either. So if you do see the same song twice in a tour, the jam especially will usually 
change and evolve and adapt to the venue and the people that are at the venue and the energy that's being pushed up at the, at the band from the crowd. So those are three major things that I look at that the band has to do. Okay. So two sets. Why? Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Why is two sets important? Well, I think there's this ritual. It's almost like like when you go to church or you do other things that have ritual to them and they have, you, you repeat certain things. And uh, one of those things is set break, okay? And set break is super important for people to come together as a community, socialize, because half of going to a jam band show is the community. It really is. The people that come to the show are just as important as the band. So we want to enjoy the band take a break and then enjoy the community and enjoy the people. Okay. And then when that's done, we go in for round two. That's a, that's a common cycle in the jam band world. So, so yeah, those three major things to me, two sets, variety in songs from, from song to song within a night and from night to night. And uh, number three is not, change or actually changing the way a song is played every time the song is played. So as much as I agree with, which means that the, the fans are a major role in what creates like a jam band. I don't think it's the only thing. And I think that the band carries a lot of responsibility to continue that. So, you know, this is a topic that I've wanted to like, just, talk about and discuss with my friends. And I think there's a lot of opinion. And I think a lot of people don't even like the term jam band or the moniker jam band. Um, and I understand that too, because it really does not give a specific genre. It's like the one genre name that has nothing to do with what the band sounds like. So you can put jam band up here and then there can just be like all of these breaking off points and different styles that live under that jam band moniker. So I think it's great for people that like different styles of music and like variety because you can have that same energy and you can have that similar like community and crowd and the sense and all of that. And you could be seeing a different style band every single time. But, but there's like this main focus. There's like this this wielding of energy and then this like symbiosis between the crowd and between the band that just gets pushed up and like, Oh man, it's just giving me chills thinking about it right now. Like what jam bands are capable of, like the real deal jam bands, what they can do. So yeah, it's not, it's not a name of a genre really. It's more of a name. It's like a classification of like, of like a, uh, an approach it's a classification of an approach rather than a genre name. Rock is a genre name. If you say rock, rock bands, you're going to find a lot of similarities between a lot of rock bands, okay? If you say hip-hop, you're going to find a lot of similarities between hip-hop groups and, like, the way that the music sounds. If you say R&B, same thing. If you say country, I mean, come on, like, you hear country music, you know immediately that's country music. Okay. I mean, there's bands that are country jam bands. 
you know? So then you're, you know, you're pushing things out there a little bit. So you, you have both. You can have country jam bands. You can have bluegrass jam bands. You can have electronica jam bands. You can have hip hop jam bands. You can have funk jam bands. You can have rock jam bands. Jam bands are not restricted by genre. Okay. Jam band is an idea. It's the way the community comes together. It's the way the band orchestrates the show. It's the way the band orchestrates the tour. Collectibles, artwork, pins, posters, hats. The jam band community loves this stuff. They love merch. They love swag. And I'm sure that that crosses over into other genres as well. But man, there's like serious collectors in this scene. And um, yeah, man, I mean, just everything about it is, is community driven. I got into it because, you know, I had some buddies that were into the styles and um, I got brought to a fish show in 2003 and that changed a lot for me. That kind of dipped my toes into the water, if you will. Then the next year I saw Phil Lesh and that completely changed my life. That tore down the walls of what I thought reality was and what I thought was possible in music and it showed me that anything can be possible that show was with jimmy herring barry sless um we had who was on, jeff sype was on drums like phenomenal rob baracco on keys joan osborne singing and i believe ryan adams was supposed to be there but something happened and joan took her spot they did some of his tunes that night and that completely, completely changed my life. And from then on, I was on that road of like searching for those bands, you know, the widespread panics, the fish, the string cheese incidents, the fill at that time, fill in friends. So, man, I mean, it's just a it's a gamut, you know, out there of different bands and different styles. And I would like to hear more from you all. You know, I had a lot of people comment when I put it out there on social media, but if you're watching this on YouTube or any of those channels, be sure to let me know what you think down in the comments, because I don't think this discussion is over. I think that it's just started and it doesn't have to be heated. It doesn't have to be hateful, you know? And if you don't like the term jam band and maybe you like the term improvisational rock better or improvisational band better or something like that, you know, to each their own. But I think the term jam band is fine. And I think if you look at it from a perspective, not from what the music sounds like, but what kind of environment that the band creates at their shows, I think it actually works perfectly. So I'm John Lavero. Thank you so much for tuning into episode one. There's going to be a lot more of these. So keep your ears peeled and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.